Today we know it's self-evident that all people were created equal, right? Our Declaration of Independence says that it's self-evident, so it must be so. We live in a society today that is obsessed with producing equality. Equality between races, equality between cultural groups, equality between ethnicities, equality between genders, equality between social status, equality in wealth. We'd like to produce equality throughout our society. Many have taken it so far to even suggest that we employ things like affirmative action or unequal, um, uh, unequal create unequal opportunities in order to help us counter the discrimination that is already exists and embedded in our society, to help us balance and create a true equality for all. So that's all based on the premise that we believe that it's self-evident that all people were created equal and should be equal. That's what our society is. Our society is premised on that, built on that premise, and everyone takes that for granted. But is it really true? Do we really believe, and we'll look at as Jews, do we really believe, as our Declaration of Independence says, that all people were created equal? Now, when we look at Judaism, it really appears not to be so, at least within Judaism. We look at Judaism from the very beginning. It appears that Moses built what we could call a caste-like system. At the bottom of this pyramid of the caste, the lowest caste, is the 12 tribes of Israel. They are what we call Israelites, Israeli. They are the regular people. Above them is the tribe of Levi. They have the unique role of carrying the temple, working in the temple, protecting the temple. They had certain work in the temple. They had a unique role, the Levites. Above them are the Kohanim. The Kohanim have the role of serving in the temple. They're the ones that actually offer the sacrifice, light the menorah. Above them all is the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, who leads the service in the temple, who does the service on Yom Kippur, who gets to enter the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. Now, all of these roles, except for the high priest, which is appointed from a Kohen, all these roles, Yisraelim, Israelites, Levi and Levites, and Kohanim are all hereditary. You're born into them. You follow whatever your father was. It's a paternal. Your father was a Yisraeli. You're an Israelite. Your father was a Kohen. You're a Kohen. Your father was a Levi. You're a Levi. It's all hereditary. You don't do anything to get these opportunities. You don't get to choose. You're born into it. It really appears like a caste-like system. Many years ago, I asked somebody, it came up in conversation, somebody mentioned to me that they're at least said, I'm a Levite, but I'm very, very embarrassed about it. So why are you embarrassed? That it's unfair. He's right, he has a good point. It is unfair. 
Now, the truth is the roles of the Kohenim and Levites to serve in the temple are no longer in place because we don't have a temple anymore. Our temple was destroyed oh, almost 2,000 years ago, and we haven't been serving in the temple still since. And yet we still treat them differently. When we take out the Torah, every single time we take out the Torah, the Kohen gets called up for the first reading. The Levite gets called up for the second reading. And the other Yisraelim Israelites get called up for the later readings, the rest of the readings. So we still employ that system of who first, second, and third. So we're treating people differently simply because of the way they were born. Now, is that fair? Should we really have castes that we're born into and have no control over? Judaism does not appear to support equality. Now, the truth is that it's not only Kohens, Levites, and Israelites. There are other places in Judaism where there are clear differences. Maybe not hereditary differences that we're born into, but there are other clear differences. One example is um, leaders. Judaism has a special role for leaders. While we believe that everyone is equal in their relationship with God and no leader has unique religious powers, but we do believe in religious leaders. And in Judaism, historically, Always religious leadership was synonymous with knowledge and scholarship. So rabbis and scholars were always the leaders, while the lay people were followers. They followed the leaders. We always had very clear leadership. Now, anyone can study and become a scholar. Theory, become a rabbi. But only some people actually do. The rest, most kind of every community where everyone's rabbis, the rest have to work at normal jobs. Only some people get to be religious leaders, not everyone. Another example, this one that we are born into, we know that in Judaism, there are very clear differences between the roles of men and women. While for most of the 613 commandments, men and women are equal, for a handful of commandments, there are differences. Some that are simply due to biological differences, such as the rules of nida, the rules of, that a woman keeps when she gets her menstrual cycle, um, or a prohibition of a man shaving his beard with a razor, which is in this week's parsha. Um, those are biological differences, but there are also other differences, such as wearing a talit or tefillin, which are a mitzvah for men, not for women. Women have the mitzvah of lighting Shabbat candles. So there are various differences between commandments for men and for women. In the synagogue itself, in traditional Judaism, it is the men that lead the service. The women don't play any leadership roles within the service in the synagogue. Again, these are differences that you're born into. Um, you don't get a choice which one you want to be, what you want to do. In fact, in Judaism, not only are there differences among the Jews, but there's a clear difference between Jews and non-Jews. We believe, the Torah tells us, that we Jews are God's chosen and treasured people. 
We are God's special people whom God has raised us above all the nations of the earth. Those are the words of the Torah. We are called God's firstborn children. All of humanity are God's children, but we're God's firstborn. Whom he watches over. We were given 613 commandments. The rest of the world was only given seven commandments. Now, somebody that wasn't born Jewish has the option of becoming Jewish. You can become Jewish. It's a process, but you can become Jewish. Somebody born Jewish doesn't have the option of leaving. But somebody that wasn't born Jewish does have the option of becoming Jewish. Yet clearly, we see a difference between Jews and non-Jews. Which all leads us back to our question. Clearly, there's a lot of inequality in Judaism, whether between Jews and non-Jews, whether among Jews ourselves, scholars and lay people, between men and women, and really what we could call a hereditary caste system that we've had from the beginnings of Judaism, of Kohanim, Levim, and Yisraelim, Kohens, Levites, and Israelites. So it really appears that Judaism does not um, celebrate equality for all. So our question then is why? Why not? Why don't we believe in equality? But before we get to answer that question, let me see if there's any other questions. Marla? Um, because the Kohens were high priests, and now they have rabbis. One Kohen was a high priest, a Kohen Gadol. The others were priests, or they served in the temple. Not so priests that, in the Catholic sense of the term, yeah. you know, leading a parish, but Kohenim were people that had this hereditary role, and they served in the temple of Jews. So now we have rabbis. Is that because a rabbi doesn't have to be a Kohen? Yeah, rabbis and Kohens are two totally different things. The, the rabbis are religious leaders, right? Religious leadership is synonymous with scholarship. In other words, they're a scholar who studied Judaism, um, and they're essentially teachers, and their role is to lead communities and to teach. That's not, that's not hereditary. That's by choice. You make that, that's kind of a life choice to choose to study, so to dedicate your life to Judaism. Um, that's a, something by choice. Not everyone's given that opportunity, of course, but anybody can be a rabbi or a Jewish leader in such a sense. Um, Cohen's is a hereditary position that are given to the male descendants of Aaron. Um, and their role was to serve in the temple in Jerusalem, to offer the sacrifices, light the menorah in the temple in Jerusalem. Don? Yes, Rabbi. Um... I'm confused. We know we have 12 tribes of Israel that were descendants of 12 sons of Jacob, correct? Yes. How did the Levi and Kohen come into being? Were they chosen from those tribes to represent them? Were they somehow uh, a different type of descendant that they were chosen to be in these particular categories? Excellent question. Um, so Levi was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. So it's essentially one of the tribes. It's the tribe that Moses was from, and God separated the Levites from the other tribes. Now, without the Levites, we still have 12 tribes, and that's because Joseph, one of Jacob's sons, 
was split into two tribes. Each of his sons became a different tribe, Ephraim and Manasseh. So even without Levi, we have 12, Levi, we have 12 tribes. When we refer to the 12 tribes of Israel, we're referring to usually not Levi, but Ephraim and Manasseh counting, and Levi is usually considered separate. But he was the son of Jacob. All of his male descendants are Levites. Kohanim are descendants of Moses' brother Aaron. All of his male descendants were Kohanim. Uh, who chose the Levites to serve in the temple and the Kohanim with their unique role in the temple? God did through Moses. Uh, when we built the temple in the days of Moses, right after the Torah was given at Sinai, um, God was the one that said Levites will have a special role and Kohanim will have a special role. Lewis. Um, so when the base Hamikdash was in operation, would all of the, would that wouldn't mean that all the Kohanim lived in Jerusalem so that they could attend to the base Hamikdash? That's an excellent question. How did the Kohanic service work? How did they choose who went when? Um, there was actually, this is really a subject for its own class. Um, the um, division of jobs in the temple. Um, but in short, the Kohanim, they split it up by families. Most Kohanim would serve two days a year. There were a lot of Kohanim during temple period, too many to all serve at once in the temple. So usually Kohanim, they had two days a year they would serve based on their family. So they lived all over Israel. They lived all over Israel and they went twice a year to Jerusalem. I see. Thank you. Sure. So the truth is, this concern about inequality in Judaism is a very, very old concern. In fact, in the days of Moses, Moses had a first cousin whose name was Korach. And in the book of Numbers, in the book of Bamidbar, special parsha with his name, Korach, Moses' cousin, is upset about the inequality. In his word, the hierarchy system that Moses, that Moses had created. In his words, he tells Moses, Ki kol kulam kedoshim, the entire congregation is holy. Why do you raise yourself over God's congregation? Why did you, Moses, decide to be the leader? And more notably, why did you choose your brother Aaron as the Kohen, as the high priest with his children as the Kohen? That's unfair. Moses tells Korach, don't complain. You're a Levite. You're already special. Korach gets all the people, he gets many leaders, many, many followers. All have the same question, we're all equal. We all stood at Sinai, God spoke to all of us, we all heard God say the Ten Commandments. Why, why do you consider yourself better than the rest of us? Why is Aaron and his sons chosen to serve in the temple? Why are the Levites better than anybody else? We're all equal, we're all equal before God. We should all be able to serve in the temple. So Korach complained about the inequality. Moses got very upset. He said, if you think you want to be priests, why don't you come serve, try bringing incense on your own? You know what happened to Aaron's two sons who brought incense that they weren't supposed to? Try it. See what happens. 250 of Korach's followers tried bringing incense in the temple. And the same happened to them as happened to Aaron's two sons. They all got burned and died. Moses then turned to God with regards to Korach and said, God, 
show the people that what I did was on your instructions. I didn't make it up. And the earth opens up and swallows Korach and his co-conspirators and their entire families. The people figured out pretty quickly that Moses was right in having set Aaron and um, having set Aaron apart and the Kohenim apart and the Levites apart. Doesn't pay to complain. So Moses showed that he was right. But the question is, why? It seems unfair. Why do we need a caste system in Judaism? Why did God create Kohanim, Leviim, Israelites? Why do we need that? Why can't we all just be equal? Everyone should be able to serve in the temple. Anyone worthy should be able to be high priest. Why did Moses, why did God, Moses create it? Because God told him to. But why did God want a caste system among the Jewish people? Why did we build inequality into Judaism from the very beginning? Wouldn't we be better if we were all equal? So some like to answer that, well, you see, in Judaism, we are different, but equal. Separate, but equal. Everyone has a different role. Cohen's have their role. Levites have their roles. Yisraelites have their roles. Men have their roles. Women have their roles. Rabbis have their roles. Lay people have their roles. Jews have their roles. Non-Jews have their roles. It doesn't make any person better than anyone else. We're all equal. No two people are the same, though. Everyone's different. Everyone has a different role. We're all equal, just we have different roles that each person has to play. So it's not that Cohen's are better or Levites are better. It's not that Jews are better than non-Jews. It's not that the leadership is better than the lay people. It's just we all have a different role to play. God gave each person a different role. Our Supreme Court didn't like the separate but equal concept. But some people argue that's what God gave us in Judaism, kind of the separate but equal different roles, and yet we're all equal, we're all the same. But a careful look at the Jewish system makes it clear that that's not so. We're not separate but equal. We're not only different from each other, we're not equal either. After all, the Kohen has the role of serving in the temple. That's a great, great honor that wasn't given to others. When we take out the Torah, the Kohen gets the first reading. Levites get the second reading. Israelites get the rest. We're not equal. There's a clear hierarchy here. There's a first. There's a second. There's the rest. There's a clear hierarchy. We're supposed to honor the Kohen by allowing them to lead the blessing after meals, after eating. Clearly, we're not equal. Kohen's given special honor. He didn't do anything to earn that honor. Just born as a Kohen. Just by birth, he gets that special honor. So we're not just different, but equal. Clearly, in the Jewish system that we have, we're not equal. Some are better than others, or some deserve more honor than others. Some are first, some are second, some are third. 
We are commanded to honor our scholars and leaders, Torah scholars, we have to honor them. We're not equal scholars and lay people. Certain honor has to be accorded to the scholars, the leadership. So we're not just separate, but, but equal. There's clearly an inequality that has been built into Judaism from its very beginning. Clearly, we don't support the different but equal perspective. But the question is why? It seems so unfair. Wouldn't it be better if God just made everybody the same? So the truth is, we know, we're honest about it, that true equality doesn't exist. It doesn't exist anywhere. It never will. As George Orwell pointed out in his animal farm, everybody's equal, but some are more equal than others. But it's not just a failure of communism. It's a failure of human nature. We cannot create a truly equal society. People are naturally different. God created people different. Not different, but equal. Different and unequal. Some people are smarter than others. Born smarter. Some people are less smart than others. Some people are more talented. Some people less talented. Not everyone is going to be a Tom Brady or a Kobe Bryant. Not everyone is going to be the best actor, sports player, Scott Ein Albert Einstein. There's only a handful of them. Not everyone gets to be that. Your mother told you you can be everything you want to be. We know that's not true. You can't be everything you want to be. Not everyone is going to be Albert Einstein. No matter how hard they work. Now you have a lot of opportunity and you have a huge possibilities that you never consider but at a certain point you know we grow up and then as adults suddenly dawns on us we're not going to be whatever we want to be our failure to be albert einstein or tom brady or whatever else we may have wanted to be or the president of the united states is not due to our lack of drive because we weren't driven enough we probably couldn't have been that anyway. Not everyone's created the same. We're unequal. Some people are more talented, some are less. Some have smarter, some than others. People also have different interests. Some people want to be Albert Einstein and others couldn't care to be Albert Einstein. They want to be the president of the United States. And most people think being the president is a crazy job. You've got to be crazy to even want the job. Everybody has something else that they want to be. We even have different interests, different tribes. We have our own likes. We have our own things that motivate us. We have different ideas of even what the ideal person should be, what our dream would be. We live in a world with almost 8 billion people. That means almost 8 billion different perspectives different types of 
intelligence, different talents. Everybody's totally different. Because we're all different, we all have different drives, we all have different needs, we all have different interests. What ends up happening is we tend to fight each other over our differences. We clash because my interests clash with your interests. I would like to spend my, work, my life saving the environment. You'd like to spend your life making money. Those two things might clash. We fight each other then. Or I want to get onto the best team, so do you. Or we both want to become president. Only one person could get there. Every, you know, otherwise, you've got to wait another four years. So we're going to clash. A lot of our interests, and this is on the smaller scale too, our interests with different people, different interests, different drives, different needs, different talents, different abilities, we're all created totally different. What's going to happen is we're going to end up clashing. We're going to fight with each other over those differences. And the truth is we do. That's the story of human history. We've always fought with each other over these things. Cultures and nations have fought with each other. Within nations, we've fought with each other. Whether actual wars where people were killed and hurt, or political fights, or economic fights, or just personal fights. world is full of it. Because people are different. People are differentiated by wealth, by class, by religion, by so many different measures that differentiate people. We don't understand each other. So we all fight for our own independence, to be able to do what I want, and our own success, and ultimately our own control. I just don't want to do what I want. I want to be able to control everybody else to do what I want to. The only way I can fulfill my dream is not just to live my own personal life, but to be able to impact others as well in the way I'd like to. They don't want to be impacted by me. That creates the fight. Become present to yourself is easy. Become present to the other people is hard. You got to fight everybody else who wants to be present. So we're all so different. We all have different goals and dreams and needs. How do we all live in harmony and peace? How do we do that? So there are those that decided, like in George Orwell's Animal Farm, decided to create a melting pot. Everybody should be the same. We're all equal. Everybody's the exact same. Everybody should have the exact same wealth. Don't have some wealthier than others. Everybody should be given the exact same opportunities, the exact same um, education. Everybody should be given the same. Everybody should do the same. We should all be equal. Make everybody equal. And there's different levels to that, how equal you want to make people. Some would like to make everyone exactly the same. Some recognize that's not really realistic, but we can make people more the same. We can maybe have racial representation in every single field or gender representation, equal representation in every single field um, in our society. Have at least some level of equality, have everyone equal. It's very nice in theory. In reality, people are different. People are very different. They're different in their needs, 
in their wants, in their abilities. What if not all men and women want the same jobs in the same numbers? Is that a problem? People are different. You can't make everybody the same. So, well, then we want to celebrate those differences. But if we celebrate those differences between people, that leads to friction. So what do you do? You try to avoid the differences, make everyone the same. People fight, people rebel against them. They want to be, I want to be me. I don't want to be everything else. But if we each celebrate our differences, our differences are going to clash. There's only so many positions in each organization. There's only so many spots in every school. Um, there's only so many leadership positions in our government. You can't all be doing the same thing. People are going to have to compete. It's going to get competitive. Some people are going to be winners and losers. Some people are going to win. Some people are going to lose. We're not going to be equal. We're going to be very unequal. Then there's a third approach. The third approach is what we call a hierarchy system. Now, the hierarchy system is something that our founding fathers ran away from. But think of the village, the ancient village, right? It was the boss, people on top of the village. There were people below, but the whole village worked together as a family. Everyone had a different role and there were clear leaders and clearer in the, in the old tribal system, if you will. There were clear leaders. So they had their deputies, people underneath them, clear hierarchy system. But they're all working towards a single goal. They're a single unit. They're working together. Together they're able to grow. Let's try to visualize two different approaches to our being different from each other. The first is what we could call the parallel tracks, where people are equal but different. Think of five different individuals. You make them all equal. Give them the exact same opportunities. Give everything the exact same to them. Don't give one more than the other in anything. Everything looks perfect. It's beautiful. But then each one will progress and develop. As they develop, humans are human. Everyone's gonna develop differently. No two people are gonna end up the same. Even if you have identical twins, they end up differently. They're not gonna, you're not gonna have two people ending up the same. No two people are alike. What's gonna happen? As each one moves in their own pace in their own direction, working alone to become successful to succeed, sooner or later, their success is going to clash with the next person's success. Only one person can hold a certain role. Only one company can produce a certain product in a certain way and be successful. Sooner or later, if you have all five going in their own direction, they start everything was equal. Over time, they become unequal. But not only do they become unequal because each one is focused on their own success, they're self-centered, they're going to sooner or later clash. That's an equal but separate um, 
That's an equal but separate track. But think of another track. You have a hierarchy system. Same five individuals. You have one on the top, and then you have four below them. They're all working together as a team. They have a leader and four below the leader that are all working together as a team, each with a very unique, distinct role. Now, it may not look as pretty to start with because you have a leader, it seems unfair, but now they could build together. They're not gonna clash with each other. They're working towards a single goal. They're working to create something together. So while equal but separate sounds, equal and independent sounds like a great system, in reality, that's what makes people clash. That's what makes people crash into each other. In a hierarchical system, everybody's working together as a team. You always need a leader. You can't have a team of equals because who's going to lead the team? You always need leadership of the team. But they're not independent. They're interdependent. Everyone's working together as a team. In the end, what you have is a single unit. Everybody is part of a bigger whole. Perhaps you could think of a company. Imagine a corporation where everybody in the corporation was on equal footing. No CEO. Everybody was an executive. How would that corporation function? Nobody would get very far. Then you can have a corporation where you have the CEO, you have executives underneath them, you have middle level management, as they call it, lower level management, and then you have the working class, the bottom of the pyramid. Here, if everybody's working towards a single goal, the good of the company, the company can become very successful. As soon as people within that company at any level begin to think about themselves and their own careers and forget about the good of the company, the company's gonna start falling apart because everyone's gonna to begin to clash with each other. So, what happens is there's two different approaches that we can take to life and to community. We could focus on independence, each person for themselves, and try to make everybody equal, give everybody equal opportunity with no person better than anyone else. Or we can look at ourselves as a community. We're all in this together. We're all sums of a single whole. We all have a role to play within this community. Together, we can create a perfect world. King David once turned to God and said, God, life is so unfair. Why did you create some people poor and some people rich? You should have made everyone equal. God responded, if everybody would be equal, no poor, no rich, then there would be no charity. Our world would be a very, very cruel place. No one helping anyone else. So therefore, God made some people have, some people have not, so that those that have can give to those that don't. If we lived in a world of perfect equality, there'd be no reason for anyone to help each other. In the perfect communist utopia, 
which never actually existed, there's no charity. Nobody helps anybody else. You're only selfish, only focused on yourself because we're all equal. Only when we have a sense of responsibility, when you have some have, some don't have, some have to give others. That's a world filled with kindness. Some people can help others. That everybody has, God created people, where people have various things they can help others with. Everybody has skills, resources, assets. They're able to use to help others. Together we can help each other. If we were all only centered on ourselves, we would clash. We would be fighting for ourselves. God created a world where we need reciprocal relationships. We need to work together as a team. We need givers who show generosity. We need takers who have humility to take. Sometimes you live in a society where people don't want to give or people don't want to take. That's an unhealthy society. A healthy society is where we're prepared to give and we're prepared to take. One thing I learned many, many years ago, somebody offers you a gift and you refuse the gift because you feel, I don't want to take a gift. You refuse the gift because you don't want to take it. That person then gets very offended. And the truth is you got hurt as well. Yeah, that doesn't mean that you should, all, you should always be on, better, be on the giving side than on the taking side. But take a gift. Somebody offers to help you. Take the help. It's good to be a taker too. It shows a certain humility. One of the things I think we learned in our pandemic is a lot of people suddenly discovered they couldn't take care of themselves. They were high risk. They couldn't go out. They needed other people to care for them. That's okay. A society with, with givers and takers is good. You have to learn to give and you have to learn to take. You have to learn to help others. It doesn't mean take advantage of others, of course, right? There's a limit to it. So you've got to be with a balance. But when you're in need, take from others. That gives them the opportunity to give. That makes our society overall a better place. It gives us a better, bigger, better relationship. Our sages say more than the giver does, the rich person is doing for the poor when they give them charity, the poor is doing even more to the rich by taking. So giving and taking having people in different roles. That's the way God built our world. That we should work together. We should be able to interact with each other. He did not make us equal. Because then we would be independent. He wanted us to be interdependent. Dependent on each other. He built humanity in a way that people are unequal. So that we should be dependent on each other. We should be able to help each other. We should. People should have talents that others don't have. They should then be able to use those talents to help others. People should have assets others don't have to use those assets to help others. Like the corporation we mentioned before, where every single person has a role in the corporation. Every person has something to do. Some people have a role at the top. Some people have a role at the bottom. Every single individual's role is important and necessary. And yet we're all working together. So I'll take questions in just a moment. So does that mean we advocate for a society without equality? Do we not want people to be equal? 
then we have to ask ourselves, why is equality so important in our society? Why do the founders believe that it's self-evident that all people were created equal? Why did they want equality? What was their concern with inequality? Was it the fact that some people went by the title baron? Is that what bothered them? No. What bothered them was that the people on top were mistreating the people below. What was so terrible about it is that the, are, that the leaders, the, the barons were mistreating the simple, the, the townsfolk, they were mistreating their, um, the, the serfs. The problem wasn't that some people had a higher position than others. The problem was that the people in a higher position were abusing that position. So the truth is equality is not the ultimate value and really maybe not even a value of its own. Caring for others, helping others, empathy for others who are suffering or struggling, that is the value. Helping others succeed is the value. Our goal is not to be independent and equal. That, as we said, is the recipe for friction. Our goal then in Judaism is to be dependent on each other, but in a world where we look out for others. If somebody is struggling, help them. Help them get on their own feet. Help lift them up. Help bring them up. Somebody might appear to be on a lower rung in the ladder of hierarchy. Help lift them up. Bring them to a higher point. Help people grow. It doesn't mean we have to destroy the system. It doesn't mean we have to destroy the, uh, it doesn't mean that we have to destroy the organization or the community, but help people grow. Look out for others. So rather than focus on being separate and equal, the Jewish value is we should see ourselves as part of a single whole where we need to look out for everyone who's downtrodden, anybody who's suffering, we need to be there for them to help them. That's our role. That's our goal. Why did God put you in a leadership position or in a position where you have, or in a position where you have talents, you have assets, you have the ability to help others so that you should help others. Not that you should take advantage of others, that you should give others jobs. That you should make sure they're living well. That you should make sure your employees, the Torah requires us, has very, very high requirements to take care of our employees or members of our community. Requires for employers, the Torah requirements for employers are well beyond what any union today would dream of. We got to take care of those that are maybe under, that, that, we're, that we have employed. Take care of those that are in our community. Look out for them, help them. Raise them up. So yes, in Judaism, we believe that there are different roles. There is a hierarchy system. God created Cohen's, Levites, and Israelites. They're different. Even men and women, there's differences in their roles in Judaism. There's differences between Jews and non-Jews. There's differences between the religious leadership, the scholars, and the lay people. There are differences. And yet, we do believe that Equality is not our value. Our goal is not to make everyone the same. It's not possible, nor is that what we want. 
because then it's all focused on ourselves, on the individual, on independence. Everyone becomes selfish. Our goal is to work together as a team. Part of that team is to look out for every single person in need and care for them. Make sure that they're okay. Our country, the United States, was built on what was called the Enlightenment Movement. This was a 16th, 17th century movement, or 17th, 18th century movement of scholars, European, mostly European scholars, um, that threw off a lot of the yoke of the church. And among their values was this concept of rights. Every person has rights. Based on originally the Magna Carta, uh, but our country was built um, our, right after our constitution was written, we added to our constitution a bill of rights. Everybody has rights. And we tell people, you're stepping on my rights. These are my rights. Judaism doesn't believe in rights. You have no rights. You have responsibilities. It's not about you. Rights are for a selfish society where every person is trying to promote themselves, trying to enhance themselves and help themselves. I have a right. You're stepping on my rights. In Judaism, there's no rights. There's only responsibilities. You have the responsibility to take care of somebody else. You have the responsibility to ensure that other people are not hurt. You have the responsibility to give everybody what they need. Those are responsibilities. Those are not rights. So while our society was built, in many ways our society adopted Judeo-Christian values, Jewish values, but the value of each man for themselves, each person for themselves, every person should be totally independent, is not a Jewish value. The value that everybody should be equal is not a Jewish value. Our value is that we should all be interdependent with everyone playing a different role. Some that might be more important than others or in a hierarchy system, but we have responsibilities at every level to take care of everyone. Make sure that everybody is cared for and everybody gets everything that they need. However, I'll take questions in just a moment. I know there's a few questions. However, it's important to note that while in our own system, in our own world, there is going to be a hierarchy system. And every society in reality, equal societies has never existed. And I believe never will. Because it's not possible to create true equality. It just won't happen. Humans are different. They'll never be equal. But in Judaism, we believe that we all work together and we all have responsibilities for each other. And yet, though we believe that there's a hierarchy system in Judaism, that's only within our own community. That's only among humans. When we stand before God, though, all are equal. Every person is equally important to God. Within creation, there's hierarchy system. God built a hierarchy system into creation, which, is, which appears unfair. But standing before God, we're all equal. God is infinite. Before the infinite, we're all finite. All, each one of us is the same distance to God. God cares for every single person and treats every single person. So in our relationship with God, in our ability to communicate with God, in God's care for us and answer for us, standing before God, everybody's the same. Moses at the very end of the Torah says, Atem nitzavim hayom kuchem. You are all standing together today before God, your leaders, 
the leaders of your tribes, your elders, the men, the women, the children, even your woodchoppers and water carriers, everybody. You have differences in society. Jewish society was never built to be equal. You're different, but before God, you're all the same. So yes, within our society, we're different. But when we stand before God, then we believe that we're all the same. And then truly we're all equal. Let me take, just before we conclude, let me just, I know Bart's been waiting for a while. I'll take one or two questions. We're over time already. Um, and then I'll conclude Bart. Uh, yes, uh, I, I, the question I had, it's more of a comment, a question. But, uh, so does that mean uh, this, the idea that uh, we need poor people to uh, make the system uh, work according to um, uh, what you're saying, we need a certain, and then how do we determine how many people should be poor? How many people should not have uh, homes, should be living in the streets? That's an excellent question. So it's not our role to create poor people. In fact, our role is to care for everybody and give people what they need so that they shouldn't be poor. That's our commandment. God wants us to care for everybody. It's rather God who creates poor people. The Torah tells us, you will never eliminate poverty. The Torah says so. As hard as we might try, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. We need to do everything we can to care for the poor people. And yet God will continue to somehow create poor people. So we, unfortunately, that's the way God built our world. Some people are going to be poor. We should try to care for them, try to lift them up from poverty. We're not required to leave people in the lower rung of society. We should lift people up. Our responsibility is to care for everybody, give everybody everything they need. People don't have food, give them food. It's a mitzvah. Someone doesn't have a home, give them a home. Somebody doesn't have a way of supporting themselves, find them a job. Help build them a business. That's our responsibility. We need to try to get rid of poor people. The reality is that the war on poverty will never be won. Because God has said there will always be poor people. That's the way he's built our society. It sounds we, could, a, we could definitely limit the number of like, poor people. That doesn't sound like a very good society, that there will always be poor people. And how many poor, poor people is the right number uh, that sounds um, that, that sounds very uncomfortable. Bart, has there ever been a society in history without poor people? No, but some have uh, less than others. Some societies. Absolutely. And our goal is to make that as small as possible. You're absolutely right. And we have a mitzvah to help the poor. We don't, I'm not suggesting in any way that we should keep people poor because God wanted them poor. I know there might be some religious groups that believe that. We don't believe that. We believe that we need to do everything we can to try to eliminate poverty, to try to help the poor, try to raise them up from poverty. And the same as people that have health problems, we have to try to heal all diseases. But we have to recognize that God creates poor people for us to help them. And we have to recognize that we will never create a society that is perfectly equal. Equality shouldn't be our goal. Our goal should be to help those in need. Um, yes, Bart, you have a very good point. It is depressing to know that we'll never reach utopia until the coming of Moshiach, which is why we pray every day and wait for the coming of Moshiach. And this coming Wednesday, we're going to start a class where we're going to talk about that belief in the coming of Moshiach 
but we do believe that we won't reach a utopia or a perfect society until then. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. That doesn't mean we shouldn't still do our best, as depressing as that might be. Um, there is no, no number of poor people is acceptable. We have to do everything we can to make sure every single poor person is no longer poor. Yet, in reality, God creates poor people. And God does that so we should be able to help them. Any other questions? Comments? So the truth is within our own lives, not only do we have a responsibility to ensure that everybody's cared for, in our own lives also, we have various parts within our own lives. We have lots of different responsibilities in life. Our own personal success, our families, our careers, our communities. We also have spiritual responsibilities. We're building a relationship with God through prayer, through studying God's Torah. We have doing mitzvahs. We have various different responsibilities. Sometimes some people may feel that each of those responsibilities maybe should be, um, we should get caught up with one responsibility, forget about the others. We should all be, our whole life should be focused on a single thing. Our whole life should be the same. We should only have one thing that we're focused on. And yet the Torah teaches us this lack of equality, if you will, that exists in the community also exists within our own life. There's all sorts of different things that we have to do in our life. We have personal responsibilities to ourselves, to our family, to our community, to God. Each one of them has to be taken care of. We have various different parts of our lives. Don't get caught up in one and forget about the other. Don't think that everything needs to be the exact same. We need to, Torah teaches us that there's going to be less meaningful parts of our lives, more meaningful parts of our lives, more enjoyable parts of our lives, less enjoyable parts of our lives. There's inequality within our own life, within our own experience. And we have to live each one to its best, make our, the best out of every single situation that we're in, regardless of how we are. So it's not only within the community, but within our own lives. We don't see equality as the value. We see doing the best with every single situation that we're in as the value. Just as within the community, we don't see equality as the value, but caring for every single person in need and working together to build the best community and bring and, and follow God's commandments here on earth. So thank you for joining. Next week, we are going to 